part two chapter seven and eight of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain seven neil's discomfiture meanwhile neil was driving on in no very enviable frame of mind bessie's startling demonstration had annoyed him more than he liked to confess why had she made such a spectacle of herself and how oddly she had looked standing there in that old linen gown with her hat hanging down her back and such a hat he had noticed it in the gardens and thought it quite out of style and had even detected that the ribbons had been ironed but he did not think as much about it or her gown either when he was alone with her as he did now when there was all his world to see and blanche to criticise as she did unsparingly i thought you once told me she was very pretty she said but i think her a fright in that dowdy dress and bare-headed too did it to show her hair no doubt there is probably some of her mother's nature in her neil could have sworn he was so angry with blanche and with all the world especially bessie who had got him into this mess he tried to make himself believe that he had intended to take bessie and her father for a drive in the park but he should not do it now probably the linen gown was the only one bessie had brought with her and the elegant neil macpherson who thought so much of one's personal appearance and what mrs grundy would say could not face the crowd with that gown at his side even if bessie were in it she would never know it perhaps but she had lost her chances with neil who nevertheless hated himself for his foolish pride and when the drive which he shortened as much as possible was over he left blanche to go home alone and taking a cab drove straight to oxford street and bought a lovely navy blue silk and a pretty chip hat with a wreath of eglantines around it these he ordered sent to betsy at number blank abingdon road and then feeling that he was a pretty good fellow after all he started for home where to his surprise he found his cousin jack why jack he exclaimed i thought you were in ireland when did you return this morning and as you see have lost no time in paying my respects to you all jack answered as he rose from his seat by blanche and went forward with his easy patronizing manner which always exasperated neil it had in it such an air of superiority over him as if he were a mere boy to be noticed and made much of there was always a show of friendship between these two but no genuine liking still they were now very gracious to each other and talked together until dinner was announced when jack offered his arm to blanche to whom he devoted himself so assiduously that neil was jealous at once even though for blanche herself he did not care a penny and he knew jack did not either except as she was surrounded by the golden halo of ten thousand a year neil had not made up his mind whether he wanted that ten thousand with the encumbrance or not but he certainly did not want jack to get it and his brow grew cloudy and he became very silent until jack startled him by saying by the way neil why have you never told me of that pretty little wild blossom hidden away in wales whom do you mean neil asked savagely and jack replied i mean your cousin bessie i stumbled upon her and her father in the park this afternoon and told them who some of the people were i was standing by miss macpherson's chair when you drove by and she made that rush at neil as if she had been a mad thing it was too absurd blanche chimed in and turning to lady jane she described the scene with great minuteness of detail it was really too ridiculous to see her standing there waving her handkerchief with her head bare to show her abundant hair and that old linen gown which must have seen some years service i was intensely mortified to have our friends see her and so was neil i beg your pardon i was not mortified at all i liked it and i do not care who saw her 
neil said rousing up in defence of bessie and lying easily and fluidly for blanche's cruel remarks made him very angry oh you did like it then your face told a different story blanche retorted while lady jane forgetting her dignity commenced a tirade against both bessie and her mother the latter of whom she cordially despised of the girl she knew nothing she said but it was fair to suppose she was like her mother and she did not blame blanche for feeling shocked at such unmaidenly advances in public to a young man had neil been a few years younger he would have called his mother a fool as he had done more than once in his boyhood but he could not do that now and turning to jack who had been quietly eating his dinner he said jack what do you think of bessie is she a bold hussy and ought blanche to smash her red parasol because bessie's eyes have rested upon it thus appealed to jack looked up with an amused smile on his face and said i don't quite believe bessie's eyes did rest on blanche's parasol i thought they were on you and envied you as a lucky dog seriously though he continued as he saw the thunderous gleam in neil's eyes and the look of triumph in blanche's it did not occur to me that there was anything bold or unmaidenly in what the young lady did and i never saw a more beautiful tableau than she made standing there in the sunshine with her bright wavy hair and her lovely eager face she is very beautiful and i am so glad i have seen her they are stopping at he hesitated and looked at neil who grateful for his defence of bessie unhesitatingly replied number blank abingdon road near high street thank you jack said making a mental memorandum of the place with a view to call even if bessie had said he better not after this little skirmish the dinner proceeded in peace so far as bessie was concerned for jack trevelyan was a kind of oracle whose verdict could raise one to the pinnacle of public opinion or cast him down to the depths and if he said bessie was not bold nor brazen-faced then she was not though lady jane and blanche disliked her just the same neil on the contrary forgave her fully for the annoyance he had felt and immediately after breakfast the next morning he started for mrs buncher's bessie was trying on the hat when he entered she had received the box only a few moments before and had readily guessed that neil was the donor and had in part divined his motive he was ashamed of my old gown and hat and they are rather the worse for the wear and looked very shabby among the fine dresses in the park but they are the best i have unless i make over those mother sent me and that i cannot do she thought as she remembered with a pang the trunkful of half-worn garments of various kinds which her mother had sent her from time to time and which she could not bring herself to wear because of the association they had been worn in the moral mire of monte carlo and other places equally disreputable and bessie could no more have put them on than she could have adopted her mother's habits in her linen dress which she bought with money paid her for roses by the ladies who frequented the george she felt pure and respectable but this gift from neil her cousin she surely might keep for her father said so and young girl-like she was admiring herself or rather the hat before the glass when neil himself came in hello dot he said coming quickly to her side at it i see like the rest of your kind but don't it become you though why you are sweet and fresh this morning as a rose from the old stoneleigh garden and the tall young man stooped and kissed the blushing girl two or three times before she could withdraw herself from him why bess he continued what a lump of dignity you are this morning you did not use to wriggle so when i kissed you what has happened nothing has happened bessie replied though she knew very well there had for what jack trevilian had told her that rumor said of neil and blanche had opened a new channel of thought and made her older far than she was before 
too old for neil to be kissing her as if she were a child and then if what jack said was true he had no right to kiss her even if she were his cousin but was it true she wished she knew and after she had thanked neil for the dress and asked if he were angry with her the day before for trying to attract his attention and he assured her that he was not she burst out oh neil is it true you are to marry miss blanche mr jack trevelyan stood by us yesterday and told me who the people were and he said jack be hanged neil interrupted her what business has he to talk such nonsense to you mary blanche never what do i want of those light eyebrows and that pointed chin i who know you here he stopped struck by something in bessie's face which seemed to brighten and beautify it until it shone like the face of some pure saint to whom the gate of paradise had just been opened then it occurred to neil suddenly that bessie was not a child she was a girl of fifteen and more with an experience which made her older than her years and selfish as he was and much as he would like to have her look at him always as she was looking now he felt that he must not encourage it he had told her he should never marry blanche but in his heart he thought it possible for as there was no money in his own family and he could not exist without it he must marry money and forget the sweet face and soft blue eyes which moved him with a strange power and made him long to fold bessie in his arms and young as she was claim her as something more than a cousin but always politic and cautious he restrained himself and said to her instead i do not believe i shall ever marry anybody certainly not for many years and you and i will be the best of friends always brother and sister which is better than cousins do you consent yes bessie answered falteringly not quite understanding him or knowing whether she should like the brother and sister arrangement as well as the cousin then they talked together of what bessie had seen in the park and she told him all jack trevelyan had said and how kind he was and how much she liked him until neil felt horribly jealous of his cousin and wished he had stayed in ireland while bessie was in london oh it must be so fine to drive in a handsome carriage with a crowd i wish i could try it does it cost so very much she asked and neil detested himself because he did not at once offer to take her and her father for the coveted drive could he do it he asked himself many times deciding finally that he could not face his fashionable friends and more than all his mother and blanche with these country cousins archie in his threadbare coat and bessie in her linen gown with the big puffs at the top of the sleeves had she been less beautiful he might venture it but everybody would look at that face and turn to look again and wonder who she was and question him about her no he couldn't do it so he went away at last deciding to take the underground road to st james park and meeting as he was entering the station jack trevelyan coming out hello hello was said by each to the other while both looked a little conscious and neil burst out impulsively i say jack what brings you over here the same which brought you i dare say jack replied i am going to call upon your cousin the deuce you are i thought so neil answered in a tone of voice indicative of anything but pleasure have you any objections jack asked and neil replied no yes jack you are as good yes better than most of the fellows in our set but he hesitated and jack rejoined but what go on by jove i will speak out neil continued going close to his cousin you are a man of the world accustomed to all sorts of girls girls who laugh and flirt and that you make soft speeches to them and never think of you again because they know you mean nothing but bessie is not that kind 
she is innocent and pure as a baby and believes all you say and-and by george jack if you harm a hair of her head i'll beat you into a pumice you understand yes i rather think i do jack answered with a smile and neil you are more of a man than i supposed upon my soul you are but never fear i will not flirt with bessie i will not make love to her unless i fall in love myself in which case i cannot promise but don't distress yourself the welsh rose is as safe with me as with you good morning and so saying he walked off in the direction of abingdon road while neil rather unwillingly bought his ticket and went through the narrow way and down the stairs to wait for the incoming train eight jack and bessie mrs buncher had made an effort to brighten up her dingy parlour since her new lodgers took possession of it she had washed the windows and put up clean muslin curtains and a white towel on the small table which was further ornamented by a bowl of lovely roses which filled the room with perfume and seemed to harmonize so perfectly with the fair young girl sitting near the table and darning what soon would have been a hole in the elbow of her father's coat she had discovered it that morning and as soon as neil left her sat down to her task with her pretty white apron partially covering her linen dress and greatly improving her appearance bessie always wore aprons in the morning at home though neil had more than once objected to it as he said such things belonged to housemaids and not to ladies and i am the housemaid i wash the dishes and lay the cloth and sweep and dust and an apron keeps my dress clean bessie had answered him laughingly and when she came to london she brought her best apron with her and after neil was gone put it on and commenced her task of darning oh if you could have a new coat this is so worn and threadbare she said to her father who was sitting near her in his dressing-gown i wish neil had sent you a coat instead of that dress to me i do wish we were rich i would buy a lot of things but first of all i would have a drive in the park wasn't it grand i wish neil would take us though perhaps he has not the money of his own to pay for the carriage bessie her father said rousing up from the half-dozing condition in which he was most of the time when in the house you are hugging a delusion with regard to neil he is very kind in a way when it costs him nothing but he would never sacrifice his comfort or his feelings for you or me we are his poor relations from the country we are not like his world or that powdered piece of vanity who was with him yesterday it would cost him nothing to take us for a drive for the carriage is his mother's but you couldn't hire him to go round that park with us he has that false pride more common in women than in men which would keep him from it he likes you very much at stoneleigh where there are none of his set to look on but here in london it is different he might take us to many places if he would but he dares not lest he should be seen he can send you a blue silk dress which i half wish you had returned and he can come here and make your pulse beat faster with his soft words and manner which mean so little but other attentions we must not expect from him i tell you this my child because you are getting to be a woman you were fifteen last march you are very beautiful and neil macpherson knows it and if you had a fortune he might seek to be more than your cousin but as it is don't attach much importance to what he says and does or be disappointed at what he does not do bessie did not reply for the great lump which had risen in her throat as her father put into words what in part she had suspected but tried to fight down 
she did not like to believe that neil had a fault and still she felt that her father might be right and that neil was ashamed of them something in his manner since they came to london would indicate as much and her heart was very sore with a sense of something lost and there were tears on her long eyelashes as she bent over the darn too much absorbed in her own thoughts to hear the step on the stairs or know that any one was coming until there was a tap at the open door and looking up she saw jack trevelyan standing before her mrs buncher who was her own waitress had bidden him go right up and as the door was ajar he stood for an instant on the upper landing and heard archie say you were fifteen last march you are very beautiful and neil macpherson knows it and if you had a fortune he might seek to be more than your cousin but as it is don't attach much importance to what he says and does or be disappointed at what he does not do the old cove has hit it jack thought he understands neil to a dot if bessie had a fortune he would go down before her in dead earnest and perhaps i would too for pon my soul she has the sweetest face i ever saw what a lovely woman she will make and then there arose before him a vision of a stately old house in the north country the home of the trevelyans and in the family vault the present owner a white-haired man of seventy-five was lying and by his side his puny eldest son and also stalwart harry who looked as if a broad axe could not kill him and he jack trevelyan now the bachelor with only five hundred pounds a year and most extravagant tastes was there as sir jack and with him this little welsh maiden who was bending over the threadbare coat and trying to force back the tears her father's words had caused her i am a knave and a murderer jack thought uncle paul and dick and hal would have to die and little flossie whom i like so much be left alone before all this could be then with a premonitory cough he knocked lightly at the open door oh mr trevelyan bessie exclaimed springing to her feet and blushing scarlet how you frightened me pray walk in i did not expect you i-i am mending father's coat yes i see he answered offering her his hand after he had greeted her father with his most graceful courtly manner i see you are i wonder now if you are doing it well i used to have some experience in such matters when i was roughing it in australia i am a beautiful darner let me try my hand please and taking the coat from her before she had time to recover from her astonishment he seated himself upon a chair and began industriously to ply the needle while bessie looked on amazed you see i am quite a tailor he said pushing his thick brown hair back from his white forehead and flashing upon her one of those rare smiles with which he always obtained the mastery and made friends even of his enemies how charming he was and he never seemed to see the humble room the faded carpet the dingy oilcloth or the coarse haircloth furniture which had offended neil and made him call the place a hole of course jack did see them all he could not help that but he acted as if he had all his life been accustomed to just such surroundings and was so familiar and affable that both bessie and her father were more charmed with him than on the previous day by the way he said at last when the coat was mended and approved i met neil at the station he had been here i suppose yes bessie replied a painful flush suffusing her cheeks as she recalled what her father had said of neil i am half afraid he has forestalled me then jack continued i came to ask you and your father to drive with me in the park this afternoon that is if neil is not ahead of me oh mr trevelyan 
bessie cried turning her bright face to him while the glad tears sprang to her eyes and she forgot that until yesterday she did not know there was such a person as this elegant man making himself so much at home with them forgot everything except the pleasure it would be to drive with her father in hyde park and be one of them as she expressed it to herself then neil has not asked you and you will go with me jack said addressing himself to archie who replied if bessie likes yes and i thank you very much you are giving my little girl a greater pleasure than you can ever guess meanwhile the colour had all faded from bessie's face leaving it very pale as she stood with clasped hands and wide-open eyes looking first at herself in the glass and then at jack she was thinking of her old linen dress and hat and of her father's clothes neil was ashamed of them her father had said and she believed him though it hurt her cruelly to do so would not mr trevelyan be ashamed of them too when he came to realize the contrast there was between them and the people of his set who daily frequented the park what do you say miss mcpherson will you go jack asked and she answered quickly i'd like it so much but i thought i'm quite sure we had better not and as she thus gave up the happiness she had so coveted she burst into tears tears for her poverty and tears for neil who had not been so kind to them as this stranger was why bessie her father said what is the matter i thought you wanted to drive i do i do she sobbed then with a quick impatient movement she dashed the tears from her eyes which shone like stars as she lifted them bravely to jack trevelyan and said with a tinge of pride in her tone i should enjoy the drive more than anything else in the world and it was kind in you to ask us but mr trevelyan you don't know what it would be to you to be seen there with father and me he in his darned coat and i in this gown the best i have here or anywhere for summer and then my hat the ribbons are all faded and poor just as we are dear father and i and as she talked she stepped to her father's side and wound her arms around his neck there was a world of pathos in the low sweet voice which said so sadly dear father and i and it moved jack with a strange power bringing a moisture to his eyes where tears had not been in years mastering his weakness jack burst into a merry laugh which was good to hear as he said is it the gown and the hat and the old darned coat and do you think i care for trifles like these i tell you honestly i would rather take your linen gown to drive this afternoon with you in it than the most elegant dress in london and you out of it and so it was arranged that they should go and jack stayed on and on and read aloud to bessie and told her of his travels in the east and in australia and then he scarcely knew how or why he spoke of the old trevelyan home in the north of england near the border trevelyan castle it was called he said and it had been in the family for years i have two cousins there he said or rather second cousins dick and harry and i like them both so much especially hal who is six feet three inches high and well proportioned quite a giant in fact then there is a young girl florence meredith flossie we call her she is so like a playful kitten she is not a cousin at least to me though she calls me that she is a distant relative of sir paul's wife the mother of dick and hal and was adopted by her when a baby flossie is lovely and you remind me of her except that she is much younger she will make a lovely woman and somebody's heart will ache on her account one of these days jack hardly knew why he was talking to bessie of little frolicsome flossie meredith the irish lassie who was not in the least like bessie mcpherson except that she was sweet and loving and true and said what she thought and would have darned a coat or scrubbed the floor if necessary 
he only knew that he liked sitting by bessie and that if he sat he must talk and so he kept on and only arose to go when he heard the rattle of teacups outside and guessed that mrs buncher might be preparing to bring up luncheon about half-past four that afternoon mrs buncher was amazed to see a smart carriage with handsome horses and servants in livery drive up before her door and still more amazed to see her lodgers taking their seats in it bessie and her father side by side and jack trevelyan opposite them with his back to the driver it was a glorious june afternoon and the park was if possible gayer and more crowded than on the previous day the excitement incident upon the passing of the princess had subsided when the carriage turned in at the marble arch and joined the moving throng which jack scarcely noticed so absorbed was he in watching bessie's face as it sparkled and shone with eager joy and excitement how beautiful she was in spite of the brown linen and the sleeve puffs which had so annoyed neil and while watching her jack felt his heart thrill with a strange feeling that he had never experienced before in all his intercourse with women and found himself mentally subtracting fifteen from thirty and feeling rather appalled at the result after they had been in the park ten minutes or more and were nearing a curve he saw a sudden flush in bessie's face and a gleam of triumph in her blue eyes as she looked ahead of her neil was coming from the opposite direction he was sure and in a moment the macpherson turnout appeared with neil sitting as jack sat his back to the horses and his mother and blanche opposite the latter saw bessie first and giving her a haughty stare spoke quickly to lady jane whose stare was even more haughty and supercilious neither bowed even to jack but neil lifted his hat with such a look of undisguised astonishment and disapproval on his face that jack laughed merrily for he understood perfectly how chagrined neil was to see him there with bessie and neil was chagrined and out of sorts and called himself a sneak and a coward while to jack he gave the name fool with an adjective prefixed he did not even hear what his mother and blanche were saying of bessie until he caught the words from the former she has rather a pretty face then he roused up and rejoined rather a pretty face i should think she had it is the loveliest face i ever saw and i'd rather have it beside me in the park than all the faces in london really blanche replied with an upward turn of her nose suppose you get out and join them there is room for you by jack i wish i could neil growled and then he relapsed into silence and scarcely spoke again until they returned to grosvenor square as soon as dinner was over he started for abingdon road and was told by mrs buncher who received him with a slight increase of dignity in her manner as became one before whose door carriages and servants and livery had stood twice in one day that mr macpherson and the young lady had gone to see pinafore with the gentleman who took them to drive the deuce they have neil muttered and hailing a cab he too drove to the theatre and securing the best seat he could at that late hour looked over the house till he found the party he was searching for archie in his threadbare coat and high standing collar looking a little bored for himself but pleased for bessie whose face was radiant as she watched the progress of the play for once neil forgot the puffs and the linen gown and thought only of the exquisitely beautiful face and rippling golden hair for bessie's head was uncovered and neil saw that she received quite as much admiration from the fashionable crowd as did little buttercup or the captain's daughter and that jack looked supremely happy and nodded to his friends here and there as if to call their attention to the girl beside him confound him neil thought what business has he to take charge of bessie in this way i'll not allow it but jack had the inside track and kept it in spite of neil 
and during the ten days bessie remained in london he took her everywhere and when she left he knew much more of some parts of the city than he did before never in his life had he visited the tower which he looked upon as a place frequented only by americans or country people but as after the park this was the spot of all others which bessie wished to see he went there with her and joining the party waiting for their ranks to be full followed the pompous beefeater upstairs and downstairs and into the ladies chamber and saw the steps by the water-gate where elizabeth sat down when she landed there a prisoner to her sister and saw the thumb-screws and other instruments of torture and more firearms and bayonets grouped in the shape of sunflowers and roses than he had supposed were in the world and climbed to the little room where guilford dudley was imprisoned and stared stupidly at the name of jane cut upon the wall and looked down the staircase under which it was said the murdered princes were thrown and horrified bessie by asking who all these people were he had been hearing about of course i knew once he said such things were thrashed into me at school but hanged if i have them and their history at my tongue's end as you have are you not tired to death he asked pantingly and fanning himself with his soft hat as they left the gloomy building and after looking at the spot where anne boleyn and lady jane grey were beheaded went back to the office where they dismissed their guide it was a scorchingly hot day and jack was perspiring at every pore but bessie was fresh and bright as ever and eager to go to the abbey and the parliament house and possibly somewhere else and jack obeyed her with an inward groan and went where she wished to go and marvelled at her knowledge of and interest in everything pertaining to westminster and its surroundings never in his life had jack trevelyan been as tired as he was that night with a back which ached so hard that he actually bought a plaster for it next morning and thus strengthened and fortified started again on his mission kensington museum the british museum the national gallery crystal palace hampton court and the queen's stables were all visited by turn and then they went for a day to alexandra palace and saw an opera a play a ballot two circuses and rope-walking all for a shilling which to bessie's frugal mind was best of all that night jack was more worn out than ever and his back ached worse than after the tower and though bessie was to leave the next day for home he did not go to abingdon road in the evening but went to bed instead and deferred his good-bye until the morrow so neil had the field to himself and made good use of his opportunity together he and bessie walked in the kensington gardens until they were tired and then they sat side by side on one of the many seats in a retired part of the grounds and neil told her how sorry he was that she was going home and how lonely he should be without her yes bessie said doubtfully i think he will survive and then he burst out impulsively i say bessie i don't want you to think me a cad and a sneak when you go back to stoneleigh don't you suppose i'd like to have taken you round just as well yes better than jack confound him why didn't you then i would rather have gone with you bessie said beginning to relent at once toward the handsome good-for-nothing neil who had his arm around her and was looking into her face with his dark expressive eyes why didn't i he answered i am going to tell you why i didn't and why jack did he is his own master with money to do as he likes and no one to question or nag him at home while i am not my own master at all and have no money except what mother chooses to give me and that is not much father you know is poor and mother holds the purse which is not a large one and keeps me awful short at times especially after paying my oxford bills and a few debts i contracted the last year there would have been no end of a row if i had asked her for money to spend on you and your father 
does she then hate us so much bessie asked and neil replied she cannot hate you as she does not know you but you see she is prejudiced against your mother and visits her anger upon your innocent head i wanted her to call upon you and invite you to our house and i wanted to take you to drive in the park but i could not my hands were tied do you suppose it was pleasant for me to see jack trevelyan doing what i ought to have done no bessie replied beginning to feel a great pity for neil who had suffered so much no and i am glad you have told me for i thought i feared you were ashamed of us and it hurt me a little there was a tremor in her voice which made neil tighten the clasp of his arm around her while he bent his head so low that his hair touched her forehead as he exclaimed ashamed of you bessie never how could i be ashamed of the dearest sweetest little cousin a man ever had i tell you i am the victim of circumstances and bending his head still lower the victim of circumstances kissed the girlish lips which kissed him back again in token of reconciliation and restored faith in him poor tired jack dreaming that night that he was a circus rider and jumping through a hoop for bessie's pleasure would have felt that all his fatigue and backache and the plaster which caused him so much discomfort might have been spared or at least were wasted on the girl with whom the kiss given in the deepening twilight was more powerful than all he had done for her could he have known of that scene in the gardens but he did not know of it and at a comparatively early hour next morning he was at mrs buncher's where bessie greeted him with her sweetest smile and thanked him again for all that he had done for them don't speak of it i beg it is so very little i only wish there was really something i could do to prove my willingness to serve you he said they were standing alone by the window looking into the street and as jack said this there came a troubled look on bessie's face for after waiting a moment she said there is something you can do if you will something which will please me very much and prove you the good man i believe you to be command me and it is done jack said and bessie continued if you ever meet mother again at monte carlo or anywhere don't play with her for money promise me this i promise jack answered unhesitatingly and emboldened by his promptness bessie went on and oh mr trevelyan if you would never again play with any one for money even the smallest sum it is gambling just the same it is wicked it leads to so much that is bad it was my grandfather's ruin and he knew it and repented bitterly for it left his son nothing but poverty and that is why we are so poor father and i gambling did it all there were tears in bessie's eyes and they went straight to jack's heart he was not an inveterate gambler though he had lost and won large sums at monte carlo and baden-baden when the tables were open there and like most englishmen he never played whist that something was not staked it gave zest to the game which to him would be very insipid without it but bessie's eyes could have made him face the cannon's mouth if need be and he said to her at once i promise that too i will never play again for money with any one but for my reward you must let me visit you at stoneleigh some time oh yes you may she answered but i warn you it is a poor place to come to with only old anthony and dorothy to do anything i have to work and you may have to work too and do other things than mending father's coat she spoke playfully and jack declared his readiness to sift cinders or scour knives or do anything if she would let him come just then neil arrived not altogether pleased to find jack there before him standing close to bessie who was looking very happy the two young men went with her to the station where they vied with each other in showing her attention 
jack held her travelling bag and her parasol and fan and bandbox containing the white chip hat and neil held her shawl and umbrella and paper bag of biscuits and seed cakes which mrs buncher had given her to eat upon the road and when at last she was gone and they walked out of the station into the noisy street each felt that the brightness of the summer day had changed and that something inexpressibly sweet had been taken from them End of chapter seven and eight